Can you hear me crunching? I hear my you. Oreo. Oh, you're eating an Oreo? Wait, you're going to have an Oreo right before you have a whiskey? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how that goes for you. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't, didn't think that through. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Party on, Todd. Party on, Sal. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on. Well, welcome, uh, p- fellow podcasters, to another episode of the Party on Johncast. An episode. Uh, an episode. I haven't even started drinking yet. A podcast where we talk about all things theology, music, what we're drinking, whether it's adult beverages or not, and uh, life in general. Just totally excellent things. Uh, I'm the Reverend Sal Smarco, uh, an ordained teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church USA in the Presbytery of Newton and the Validated Ministry of Hospice Chaplaincy. And I am the Reverend, the Rocking Reverend, uh, the Rocking Reverend Todd Laddick. I serve, oh, well, I'm an, a, an ordained elder in uh the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, uh, and I serve a community in Newton, uh, depending on where Sal is, maybe or maybe not on higher ground, but it is without doubt that I have the more Calvinistic beard. Just saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <Damn> you, Calvin. <laughs> Somehow the Methodist is starting to compete with Calvin's beard over here. That, that is true. Well, the Calvinist just gets too itchy if he tries to, to match Calvin. So yeah, yeah, it is pretty. It can be but, pretty hairy. But beards are biblical, so mm-hmm. go with it. Yes. Um, and uh, while we're at it and we're introducing, I am uh, uh, my normal self, gothed out, uh, you know. So, uh, yeah, ready to go. Let's rock. I guess that brings us into our Hebrews segment. Hey, Todd. Yes, Sal? How do you know that God likes beer? How? He had possibly Paul. We don't (laughs) know for sure. Somebody wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. (gasps) But uh, but actually, I think more appropriately for this episode, hey, uh, Todd, how do you know that uh, God likes whiskey? How? Or gin. <laughs> or gin, right. Because <laughs> <clears throat> when, when he met the disciples on the raging water, he said, peace, do still. There we go. Yes. And that is a Party on John cast original right that there. Is party, <laughs> that, is, that is a Todd Laddick original. <laughs> It is that bad. I think that I think we came out, but that that one came out with uh, Adam Gilbert, right? When we had Adam on, I think it did. Yeah, <laughs> peace be still. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, well, uh, I went 
last last time, so I'll go first this time. I am drinking, as Sal uh, somewhat uh, hinted at. I am drinking, my friends, a gin martini. Now, people will say, like, I'll have a martini, and they expect vodka. That's not a true martini. That is a vodka variation on the martini. Uh, And I don't care what Sean Connery says, okay? True martini, a truly American invention, uh, is a work of art, and it is made with gin. So here it is, the martini. Very nice. And it is delicious. You actually got me into martinis. Had a couple of gin martinis with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably the best martini that I've had that I remember actually was a tequila. (laughs) Tequila martini. It was an 1820 tequila martini. Ooh. So. Yes. um, Martinis are just good. Yeah. They're just good. It's It's like drinking, you know. Rubbing alcohol and it just warms you. <laughs> it warms you, and then you get to that olive at the bottom, and it's like bingo. <laughs> and you know the the funny thing is, you could just eat the olive without the alcohol. The olives are great, you know, but yep. but they're great with or without the alcohol. So it's like I I, I, I don't get it, but I don't have to get it because I like it, and I'm doing it. So I get warm and fuzzy, then drink a alcohol infused olive. It's the best ever. It's the best ever. Yeah, it's the, it's the liquor bomb. Yes. Uh, I am drinking, uh, and we've had it on the podcast before. Uh, I got a, um, not a bourbon, and actually whiskey, Irish whiskey. It's, uh, it's uh, what's his name? Colin. Colin McGregor. McGregor, the yep. mixed martial artist. His uh, whiskey, it's proper 12. It's so good. So good. It's a blended whiskey. Um, it's not top blo- top shelf whiskey. It's not bottom shelf whiskey. It's about thirty bucks for seven fifty ml bottle. So it's mm-hmm. mid range, but it's yeah. just smooth. I think it's one of the smoothest drinking whiskeys I've had. I've had. Like I could just like it doesn't knock me on my butt like most bourbons do. Mm-hmm. It nice is and smooth. smooth. Yeah, and it's. A, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's eighty proof, right? It's not. Let's see. Properly balanced. 40% alcohol. So yeah, so 80 proof. 80 proof yep. <laughs> um, so, and uh, I, I forgot to say, the gin that I am drinking in my martini, because that does make a difference. What, what gin you use makes a difference. So I'm doing a classic London a beef eater gin. Um, and it's just a good solid martini. Um, I was going to buy Warwick Gin, but Warwick Gin is so good on its own mm. that I couldn't justify buying it to make martinis. <laughs> so I was like, eh, well, you know, we'll go with, uh, we'll go with Beef Eater. That's solid. So I've had Tangeray. I've had uh, Bombay. I've had um, uh, Beef Eater before. I've even made cheap, like, Fleischmann's. <laughs> like, this will rot your gut in a second, uh, Gin. Uh, but, but the Beef Eater is a good solid gin to use nice. not too expensive and i'm gonna wash it down with a sam adams wicked easy mm. sam 76 uh if i wash it down it'll probably be with another martini yeah. you know <laughs> well i know that if i keep if i keep drinking this whiskey i'll drink half the bottle and all oh you need to you need to yeah yeah i'll wake up with a wicked headache yeah um, and, I have a, and i have a baby <laughs> 
<laughs> Burp. Um, so, so I guess that brings us to our most excellent music segment. COVID edition? COVID edition. Yep. Yep. Uh, who wants to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. Oh, you'll go first. Yep. So <clears throat> I was out doing visits the other day and I stopped to take a break in between visits and it popped up on my Facebook feed that the uh, the album by Government Mule, who I love, I saw them in concert at the Warped Tour back in like 1999. Yeah, because I was like a skater dude, skater kid, college kid. <laughs> you were a skater. I was a goth. Um, and I saw Governor Mule. I fell in love with him. But it came up on my feed that their uh, their album, Life Before Insanity, which is just, that's, I think, one of their best albums, is 20, 2000? Yeah, 2000 came out. Wow. So it's 21 yeah. years ago. So I just, I've had that album on, re- yeah, 2000. I've had that on repeat. And I got to see them again out in Madison, Wisconsin when I was in seminary. Uh, Madison is a fun town, by the way. Oh, cool. Oh. Um, but I remember like 2000, I was 21. How far Ooh. from Dubuque is Madison? Like th- It's within three hours, like okay. two and a half hours. Yeah. So not killer. Not killer. Drove up with a seminary roommate and... He got annihilated, and I drove home. <laughs> you were the designated. <laughs> I was the DD driver, yep. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> so, but this this once, I was like, so I realized how much of that album, like, through that period of, in my life when I was around 21, um, it was pretty heavy in depression. Um and anxiety was in therapy, but pretty heavy in depression. And uh, just listening to it this week, I'm like, yep, still applies. Um, so there's like a couple of songs on there that are like, oh, yeah, this is my life, man. But there's a song on it called In My Life. which I listen to it now and it, I totally uh, totally kind of applies to what you and I taught you and I do Todd life and ministry in general but specifically chaplaincy um, <clears throat> the lyrics say I can't save you but I can talk you down I, I can hold you but I won't watch you drown in my life things have a way of growing downward and I don't know if I can watch myself be a coward again I don't know you like I thought I did but I will show you the things I kept hid. In my life, I've always been the one that had to ruin things. So I don't know, is some dark angel pulling on my heartstrings again? In my life, things have a kind of ragged beauty. and I don't seem to know right from wrong, or so they say, unless it's happening to me. People change, I don't know what for. Strangers walking in and out, in and out my door. Something's got to change. The past just hangs here to remind me that one of these mornings I'll reach for you and find me. I love, I 
I have told you I won't watch you drown. I can't save you, but I will be around. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of always kind of and shy introvert that I was was. I was like, oh, I'm always the friend that just kind of is there. No one appreciates me. But then I'm like, you know, being the guy that's always around is kind of my MO as a chaplain. I'm just always there to support people. Kind of funny how that how that comes full circle, right? Yep. How God uses you know, the things that we lament about ourselves, um, God somehow uses that and makes that the strong point. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait. So let's see. You're 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 a goth who uh, is a bit of a misanthrope who uh, you know did all sorts of bad things when you know you shouldn't have. And oh, by the way, here's this group of people for you to minister to because you get them, yeah. <laughs> unlike anybody else. So yeah. it's like, wait a second, really? Wait a second. <laughs> oh, so this there was a plan in this. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right, shy skater kid, go uh, go minister to the outcasts. Okay, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, cool. So well, uh, I have been. Not unlike yourself, uh, really just listening to my my roots in music. And uh, like I have long said, and anybody who knows me knows, and certainly anybody who sees the eyeliner on and the fishnets right now knows, I am a goth. I've always been. Um, don't always dress that way, but it's it's more than just aesthetics. It's the it, it really goth came around the music and then the aesthetics, and then it became a community unto itself. And um, there are a wide-ranging amount of different people with different likes and interests who consider themselves goth. And it's a, you know, um, like all communities, it can be very accepting, and you can also have the goth snobs, you know, <laughs> like who are, this is goth and that's not. And um, I'm kind of more loose about it, but I do, I think it is important if you're in the goth community to understand and appreciate, even if you don't like all of the stuff there, you know, not everybody likes all of, uh, every goth band out there, but you at least have an appreciation for the musical history behind the subculture. Yep. Anyway, so I've been listening to goth all sorts on a playlist I put together that would last weeks if, if I played it all in a row. And I just have it on shuffle and just been listening to it. And one of my favorite uh, goth bands is a band called uh, Susie and the Banshees. They were... Um, they've been around forever. They've been around forever. They're first wave goth. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, of them as more new wave. Yeah, well, and that's where goth, goth came out. Um, and see, that's what people don't people don't understand. Because my daughter, even like she was listening to it, she's like with, with Bauhaus. She was like, "But it just sounds like it's alternative." Well, it is alternative, yes, but that's a broad <laughs> that's a broad genre. Yes, it's alternative. Um, it's goth. And Susie and the Banshees were a post punk new wave goth band. And um, there's a song that they did called Happy House. I don't know if you're familiar with that song, Sal, but it is, um, it's basically like Leave It to Beaver, but it's sarcastic. It's like, we, and I'll read you the lyrics. Um, this is the happy house. We're happy here. 
in the happy house. Oh, it's such fun. We've come to play in the happy house and waste a day in the happy house. It never rains. We've come to scream in the happy house. We're in a dream in the happy house. We're all quite sane. This is the happy house. We're happy here. There's room for you if you say I do. But don't say no or you'll have to go. We've done no wrong with our blinkers on. It's safe and calm if you sing along. This is the happy house. We're happy here in the happy house. To forget ourselves and pretend all's well. There's no hell in the happy house. <laughs> and it's a completely sarcastic song um, about like how we put on this facade of everything being great. Mm-hmm. That we're sane, we're normal, and we're not. <laughs> we're just not and um i just think it speaks it really speaks in ways now that it, maybe it didn't even when it first came out because you look at the facade of america you look at the facade of the american family you look at the facade of american freedom you look at the facade of you know of the american family even and which is what the song was about um, well, maybe not the American family, but the ideal family. Uh, Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, yeah, and and like, what has twenty twenty shown us? Unlike any other year before, it. <laughs> it's a house of cards. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a complete house of cards, and it's a house of a particular card called the Joker, because <laughs> <laughs> the joke's on us. If we believe it's real, right? Like, right. and so, uh, like, I don't know. It's just it's su- it's such a happy. Sl- it's like you could listen to this song. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, but it's not. It's dark, it, and it's dark appropriately. It's satire. Yeah. Um, I just I, I just love it. I love Susie and the Banshees. Um, I love I love first wave goth music. Been listening to a lot of it. Like uh, Gene loves Jezebel and uh, Susie and the Banshees, uh, Bauhaus, uh, Joy Division, Christian Death. I mean, I could go down the list. Um, so yeah, um, uh, that's what I've been listening to. So nice. yeah. So let's get on to our happy house, shall we? Let's do it. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Mm. That is a happy martini. Yeah. Yeah, that was a happy, happy glass of uh, whiskey, and now I'm on to my happy Sam Adams. Oh, sweet, sweet. Wow, you downed that whiskey. Uh, proper. I just had a very <laughs> all right proper. I took a very, very small whiskey. As I say, you saw what I did there, right? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so. Why don't you lead us into uh, this uh, episode, since I've been talking my head off. Sure. Well, we thought this episode will be coming out March 1st, and uh, we're coming up, uh, at least for us, the general public, on one year of COVID restrictions and, uh, yeah. and, and being socially distanced, and more importantly for this podcast specifically, um, one year of socially distance uh, via Zoom podcasts. Um, our last in-person podcast that we recorded face-to-face uh, was with our good friend Bill yeah. uh, at Hoboken Cigars. Uh, it was actually March 7th. Right. Because uh, it was Hoboken's St. Patrick's Day. It was the first Saturday in March. 
And if you remember, I think it was March 15th or so that I think you scrambled to close down church and or yep. <laughs> days <plan>. later. <laughs> Pretty much the governor said, yep, we're closing down. Turn off the lights. We're closing up. Last call for alcohol. Yeah. Um, so, and that, you know, shortly thereafter, at the time, my facility went on lockdown and those folks still have not, they've had maybe, actually, they have not been out of that facility nay for maybe doctor's visits in a year, almost a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just down there, um, on this past Wednesday, uh, which was Ash Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, I mean, it's affecting everybody there. It's, it's yeah. tough. Um, they were, I haven't, I made, I realize this, like it's been a year since I've been down there. Mm-hmm. And like people were just so happy to see me. It's like, oh my God, who are you, stranger? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's like you know, like wow, like I for it, it's been such a long, crazy year that while I didn't forget it, it's it's almost it feels like I did. Like how good it felt to actually go down and see those people. Like and yeah. well, I don't a- know. You had a good a good chunk of your congregation down there, and it's been, yeah. like I said, it's been a year since some of them have seen you. Yeah, which is why I, you know, that's why I haven't forgotten because my, you know, like you said, there's a, a there's a lot of my congregation that's that's there, and um, it's been a year, and and I and you know, uh, as as you know, Sal, I know a lot of people there, even the people that aren't in my congregation, uh, just yep. you know relationships that we build in ministry and um you don't realize what you've got until it's gone yeah <laughs> you, know? you, you and i were the tag team clergy duo down we at were. that facility we were yeah so we made a lot of connections with staff and families and yep so, yeah um, so um uh one one person i i I won't mention her name because uh, I don't know that she would want me to, but um, you would know her uh, in the, uh, let's just say the yellow shirt uh, department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's a very bubbly, positive uh, person who I have not seen in over a year. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to see her and to to hear her voice and her enthusiasm and her positivity. And it's like... Man, like <laughs> you know, it's just it, it is what it is. But yeah, so um, but needless to say, it's been uh, a year of firsts, and you know, for me, up until month and two, month and a half. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been in my new job a month and a half. Up until a month and a half ago, you know, I had to become a content creator and record all my services. Um, How are you missing that? Oh, I don't miss it one bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Sal gained a real appreciation for what I do on the editing side of things. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I I value that I learned how to do it. Like I learned how to, you know, mm-hmm. iPhone 12 was our uh, upgraded to 12 because I figured good camera. And yeah, I, they're great. Yep. And I uh, got the MacBook and glad that I learned how to do it because I can now do it in a pinch if I have to but uh, so glad that I don't have to do that every week now and you've been doing it pretty much since 
since last March. Yeah, since that week following our first, our last in-person episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, like, I, I just, you know, and I and I love, and Sal knows this, I love doing video editing and sound editing, and um, that's never been a problem for me, but having to do it week in, week out, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, more, more than I would necessarily want to do (laughs) yeah you know i like to do it when i want to do it i don't want to have to do it and it's become a i have to do it you have to do it yeah yeah because you're and you know i could get away with you know streaming services because just throw connect the zoom to the Mm -hmm. you know system and all right there you got chapel but you're you wanted you are the kind of guy who wants his congregation of a fully you know Fully immersive, edited, yeah. blah, blah, blah. nice clean service. Yeah, you, you're not one to just turn on Facebook Live and go like, "All right, here's worship." No, it would it would bother me to do that, and um, I don't judge others who do. I mean, you know, to each their own, and uh, it works the same. But for me, because I've had people ask me that, well, why don't you just stop doing this or that? And it's like, um, no, I can't. <laughs> it's like, and and. And now that I've provided the quality that I've provided, if I were to do that, like yeah. it just, you know, so um, if I was oh, yeah. going to do that, I should have done that from the beginning onward. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure because I, I heard through the group grapevine that there's a new chaplain in town at BG. Good, good. Or BB, whatever that two letters I just said were. Um, <laughs> Bye. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna do a hospice visit there there this week, so I kind of get the, them out. Get the lowdown. Cool. So they did make a decision. Somebody they accepted. Made, mm-hmm. um, but I realized, like, I left him at least for chapel and worship services. I left him and my coffee talks. I left him. Like, I hope he's good with a computer because. Well, he's gonna have to be. <laughs> and I uh, think. I think any, just like when you left and I had to face the pushback of, well, you're not Todd. <laughs> that's got- every, any minister has to deal with that when they're coming in after the previous minister. So that's, yeah. for those of you that don't know, um, ministers have people who love them and people who don't love them. And the people who don't love them are like welcoming of the person coming in because it's not the previous person, but the people who do love them are going to judge the compressor coming in based off what the previous pastor did. And it's, yeah. uh, it's a real hard juggling act to say the least. And you had to deal with that at Bristol Glen, no doubt. I did. Uh, I won him over though. So I'm sure when you I did. left, you did. Yeah. Uh, I do know that a retired clergy there did, did share with me that, um, when I told him privately before I announced it, he said, you know, you've done really excellent work here and you've, changed the whole chaplaincy at Bristol Glen. So, yeah, I don't, but it's like one of those things where in ministry, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know, it's. Yeah. And what they, and what they got in you when you came, um, was something that, uh, they, they had in one of the chaplain that preceded me. But overall, they hadn't really had in that system, which was a dedicated 40-hour-a-week-plus <laughs> um, chaplain who would respond to their every needs and not only be a chaplain but also be their pastor. Yeah. 
Um, and and that's what they got in you. And you did. You changed the entire culture there because that's your gift. That's your call. Um, and that's where you spent the bulk of your time. <laughs> Come hell or high water. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew I had no doubt when I left that you were going to definitely be the person for that for that job and that you were going to rise up to it. Uh, they just needed to give you room to, <laughs> to spread your spread your wings without my name being mentioned. Yep. And people took the longest time. Like uh, even now, I walk in. Like, do I call you pastor or chaplain? I'm like pastor, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the chaplain here. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, then they they don't mean wrong. You know, they they want to respect. They want to respect me. They want to respect you. And that it's really a matter of wanting to respect us. But. Um, it can it can be a juggling act for sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, a anyway. whole lot a whole lot of love to that community. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, we <laughs> thought we would talk about how the past year has been. Uh, this is our one year COVID anniversary yeah. for the podcast. Um, the somber somber news on TV the last couple of days is we just uh, surpassed half a million COVID deaths. Mm. Number is real, folks. That's not a hoax. We actually lost a half a million Americans. Yeah, if you want to actually uh, figure out how many that would be, take six, six to eight MetLife stadiums and fill that those stadiums with people, and you've got the amount of people that died in this year alone, in this year long cycle alone. Yeah. That's a that's a large Midwestern city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In some states. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's been a heck of a year. Yeah. Uh, and, and truth be told, we talk about the amount of people who died through the pandemic of the 1918, 1919. Um, but at the rate we're going, we're going to exceed that number. I mean, like 500,000 in less, ultimately less than a year. Mm-hmm. Because it's still not a year quite yet. Yeah, February February of uh, twenty twenty, we had thirty four confirmed cases in America. Not deaths, con- cases. Just cases. Just right. cases. Thirty four cases. I remember that that first week of uh, March when we did our podcast. Well, it no broke that that nursing home in out in Washington or Washington. Oregon. Yeah. Yep. Basically wiped out the entire community. Yeah. But I was like. Holy crap! This this is this is not just a flu. No, and even then, though, it was like, oh, it's in California, though. Little did we yeah. know, it was actually more here than it was. Than yeah, it there's. Was there. <clears throat> they were. They're now saying it was. It was probably on throughout America. It was throughout. Yep. Um, and we're in a major international hub. Yeah, we're. In, one of the largest tri-state areas in the country, New York yeah. City, but they're saying it was probably in the in a, in the U.S. early December, late November mm-hmm. of 2019. And uh, funny thing is, my Facebook memories. One of the memories that came up last on this day last year, Allison and I were up in Saratoga Springs, New York, at a craft beer mm-hmm. festival in a jam-packed convention center, drinking beer. Or I was Drink, drinking beer. Drinking beer. She was she was pregnant, but drinking bear. Drinking bear. <laughs> um, before we move on, I just want to let you know 
I've reached the bottom of the glass, and I am going to have the beloved olive. Mm. As Allison always says, I'll live with that. <laughs> mm. And you all get to hear it. <laughs> Try not to burp into the mic. <laughs> oh, oh, so good. So, um, so I think we wanted to talk about how we've, uh, well, pandemic has caused a lot of us to reflect self-reflect yeah yeah let's do that but let's do that um and i'll edit this out of course let's do that after a refill break i'm refilling (laughs) that olive was too good to stop (laughs) and if you have to pee all right yeah um this is the great thing about editing by the way and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna pause our recording so that way i don't have to try to figure out where we stopped and began very good yeah, and so uh, uh, self-discovery is kind of um, what what I thought and what Sal and I thought would be good to talk about because uh, we've all in this pandemic had, you know, we've had this time to just sit and reflect and grieve and be confused and be numb <laughs> and be yep. like, you know, every emotion under the sun. I, I, people are going to look back on this time. Uh, people are going to look back on this time and and wonder how how people coped. You know, just like we look back to the you know the Spanish influenza, or we look back to the Civil War, or we look back to times in he- history where it was dark and raw. And yeah. how did people survive that? Well, <clears throat> this is such a time, and I thought uh, uh, you know maybe our discussion of self discovery um, would help. You know, invoke memories of how you coped with this, how you uh, discovered who you were in a time when, uh, you know, things were so unprecedented and and tough. Um, So that's so thank you, Sal, for segueing into that. Um, So, yeah, uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Doesn't matter to me. Well, I can go first. I mean, I think uh not that not that not to put Todd and I on a pedestal, but I think to be in our line of work you have to be on some level self-reflective. Um if you're not, you get weeded out of this industry pretty quickly. Oh yeah. You, you hope. Some of <laughs> some of them sneak in there somehow, but <laughs> there's always exceptions to the rule. Yeah, look at any any church scandal with mega pastors or whatever and those are not yeah. self-reflective people. Yeah. Anyway, that's a digression. Uh, so to be in our line of work, you got to be at some level self-reflective and um, self-aware of who you are. Uh, <clears throat> for some people, that comes naturally. For some folks, it's part natural and part therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> mentioned in my... In my music review, uh, back in my 20s, I did a lot of therapy uh, for social anxiety and all that stuff. And it's just generalized anxiety, which gave me tools to be self-aware to do my job. Um, I think this would be a good time for you to explain to people who may not, who may be listening and maybe don't know what social anxiety is. Just a brief, like, what is social anxiety? 
So social anxiety is a fear of social interaction, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what often, you know, I was the shy kid growing up. Most people who have social anxiety uh, tend to be introverted. I mean, I'm introverted now. I'm still, I'll always be introverted. I get my energy from one-on-one relationships, but mm-hmm. um, that doesn't make every introvert socially anxious. Right. Um, so <clears throat> my mom, being a psych nurse that she was, uh, when I was 18, I found a Camaro that I wanted to buy. And she said, all right, here's the telephone. Huh. Give him a call. And I threw a fit. And I said, no, I'm not calling. No, I'm not calling. And my mom, her psych nurse, sensors perked up, said, all right, you're going to see a doctor. Uh-huh. Uh, got into therapy, was diagnosed social anxiety. So, so what that means is uh, public speaking, telephone calls, um, interactions with strangers, um, parties. any parties, <laughs> um, those types of situations where you have to go outside of yourself and initiate conversation, initiate contact. Um, Probably cause, romantic relationships as well. Romantic relationships. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Fine. You know, having the, you know, calling and asking an old friend to go to the prom with you uh, <laughs> and getting turned down. Uh, so like, the way it manifests for me was, yeah, all that stuff, being shy, not wanting to, you know, really at youth group, I was always a kid in the corner. I would participate, you know, but kids had to pull it out of me. Sure. Um, <clears throat> making phone calls. Like, ironically, my job now is 75% phone calls now. <laughs> Again, full circle. Full circle. Yep. Um but that it took probably throughout college. Um, yeah, did therapy up until I went to seminary. Uh, did cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapies. But for me, a big thing was do not make me make a phone call. Do not make me make a phone call. Um, <clears throat> because it, you know, anxiety, you overthink, mm-hmm. you doubt yourself. Um, yeah. It- what you're fully capable of becomes an entire disaster because you overthink, you get you get anxious, you get you know fearful, and before you know it, what you could, what you technically have the ability to do, you no longer have the ability to do, and that's the way it works. Because you come become super avoidant, yeah. and uh, yeah. so through through therapy, uh, I was able to, you know, so basically I use the same te- technique now. Uh, you know, I always. We'll sit there for a good five minutes before I make a phone call, and I will go through a script in my mind. Um, having a script, um, what helped me also was, ironically, having a sister who did theater and dragged me kicking and screaming to an audition when I was 21 and did community, community theater for a good 15 years. Not that um, anybody could tell you or I were theatrical in any sense of the word. I mean, look at us. We're just (laughs) completely normal human beings. Normal looking people. Uh. Um, Yeah. So a good half of my life was probably from 21 to at least 35. Mm. Uh, 
got married, got divorced, started actually, ironically, chaplaincy training, where I really dug into who I was and my relationship with myself, uh, with God, with my parents, um, my ex-wife, and uh, luckily met uh, met a woman who uh, now has her own issues, but was willing to, you know, knows when I'm getting into that anxious spot and says, no, get over here. Yeah. And you're, you're exactly what she's going to tell her son in a year or so. Use your words. Tell me what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And um, we all have our own issues, but when we compliment each other, that's, you know, that's, uh, it, it's, when you have somebody who understands who you are, appreciates it, knows the struggle, and can be graceful in bringing you along <laughs> mm-hmm. and encouraging you to break your comfort zone for the better of your good and the good of the whole. That's that's what it's about. And, you know, obviously you and Allison share that. Uh, my wife and I, Bernie, um, Bernadette and I, uh, we, we share it. So um, otherwise this wouldn't work. <laughs> like, right. like, nope. and, and we know that. I mean, that's just... It's you know um, that's that's important to have in a re- any relationship, no matter what your what your struggles are. Um, so thank you for sharing that because I I think um, for us social anxiety is reality. Uh, yours is different than than mine in some ways, but it has the same result, doesn't it? Um, and and also. Um, for Sal, uh, not that I want to put words in Sal's mouth, but for Sal, um, Sal will, his social anxiety draws him to the corner of the room. My social anxiety causes me to act like a complete, I'm going to say it, complete ass. (laughs) Like, you know, like, uh, people, when they hear that I'm introverted, they're like, no, not you. And it's like, "Mm, yeah, like that part of me that you think you know is not really me (laughs) it's not it's just not i mean and and i've i've seen kind of the the reaction that that can Mm -hmm. receive they shall remain remain nameless but it happened in the clergy group yeah yeah a comment will be a comment will be made to todd because his his inclination is in a defense of his introverted anxieties will be all right i gotta talk 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 whereas my my defense is all right i'm gonna step back and let todd do the talking right 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 um because it takes the focus off of me not that's not to say that i don't like attention when i was on the stage that was positive attention when of course I was youth ministry that's positive attention when i was of doing course. preaching that's positive attention and what people don't realize is what happens internally Right, like what happens internally to both of us is pretty much on par. Uh, in that, you self-question why the hell you were so damn quiet, and I should have said this, and I should have said that, and I should have done this and that in your head internally. Me, on the other hand, is like, why didn't I just shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> like, like, why, why, why do I always have to do this? And, um. And that causes great stress and great anxiety and self-doubt. And um, it, it really, like, you know, it comes out of it comes out of the same thing, but it, it affects different people differently. Yeah. 
So for Sal, he withdraws and will sit in the corner. Me, I put I put a fake me forward so that I can survive the situation, and then I go to the corner at the end of the night and go, <laughs> you know, like, and and. It's the same anxiety, but it's causing different reactions to the person as they're going through it. And, and, and it causes people to misread us in different ways. So for Sal, you know, somebody might see him as stuck up, like, oh, you only, he's only into himself, <laughs> you know? And others are like, Sal who? <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and me, it's like, oh, that, that goofball, like, who could take him seriously, you know? And, um, or, oh, he just doesn't shut up, you know? And, um, no, actually my incline, my inclination and your inclination are probably the same. I would rather not have the spotlight on me. I would rather be by myself in the dark closet in a room, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but, but our, our professions don't allow us to be that. Right. Um, We've become socialized introverts as my old yeah, boss used to say. That's it. That's exactly it. Socialized introverts. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you'll find that most pastors are introverted. And again, introversion hits people differently. Um, it really does. But you're uh, so outgoing and you're so such a people person. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can still be an introvert. And... You can, that's right. That's right. Um, and it's not, it's wrong to say it's fake. You know, like in my heart, I do what I do and you do what you do because we do deeply care for people. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we're comfortable with that. No. <laughs> you know, like comfortability and and caring are are not the same thing. And yeah. and uh that's where the the disconnect is for for people. I I feel that probably more people are like that than they realize. You know, I think a lot of people act the way they do because that's how they've learned to cope with situations just like you or I. And yeah. Uh, they don't have the training of self-reflection that we have to recognize that in ourselves. It's a lack of self-awareness and self-reflection. Yeah. Um, so um, now that yeah. we've talked about that, uh, what ways have you self-reflected this year? Well. Self-discovery. Self-discovery. Well, I've, in the midst of everything, uh, about a month and a half after our last in-person uh, podcast. Um, I had a baby. Well, technically, Allison had the baby. <laughs> you were a part of that, though. <laughs> I was part of creating the baby. And there is a part of having it that you do yes. go through. It's not the yes. same as the as the delivery, but it men do go through their own form of it. Yeah, sure. So Alice and I spent four day four days in the hospital when she gave birth to Calvin. Uh, so that's been the <clears throat> the one bright spot in the last year of COVID was becoming a parent, but becoming a parent, it became apparent when I became a parent mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that um, I <clears throat> not only see within myself bits and pieces of my parents, um, <clears throat> bits of pieces of my upbringing, uh, reflect how I parent Um, and that has caused some stress with Allison because uh, her upbringing and my upbringing similar but very different she was an only child Um, I was 
uh, a sibling, have an older sibling. Uh, but because of certain aspects of our childhood, there's some similarities. Um, and actually, uh, some of that came to head in the last weekend, uh, family tension-wise, that made us that made her realize, oh, when you say that you had you were in a family of four, but you grew up alone. Now I get it, um, <clears throat> because of the social anxiety, because of mental health issues within my family, and how I dealt with them, and how my parents dealt with it, uh, and continue to deal with it without giving away too much it it impacts how her and i raise calvin Um, i think every generation of parents and family tries to raise their kids better than their parents did yeah and fall into the same traps their parents did because that's just human nature but but you do you progress even if it's an inch forward you progress that inch yeah yep yep um so, like, I have to be very aware of, um, like we said, with the, the anxiety, uh, my inclination, naturally inclination is to, okay, I'm going to retreat to the corner. If I had a bad day, like this morning, I had to make four calls in a row of condolence calls because mm. lost four patients over the weekend. Um, and two of them were patients I hadn't even met yet. So it was like, hi, I'm your chaplain. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. Talk about social anxiety. Um, Those are not easy. People don't appreciate it until you have to do it. Um, making condolence calls, letting people know you and I both done it, uh, letting people know that their loved one is no longer with us. Um, there's no training in the world that can help you do that. Um, there, there's training that can help you be self-reflective in how you do it, <laughs> but there's no training that will ever make that an easy, comfortable, <laughs> like, okay thing to do. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it, it is a part of our call uh, no to me- be there with people. And no mental, no mental script in my head will ever no. fix. Okay. Uh, say something good. Say something good. Uh, stop talking. Stop talking. Okay. Yeah. Say something. No, stop talking. Yeah. Uh, that's yep. the struggle of, um, Yep. Um, and part of <clears throat> part of knowing that is okay. It's okay to shut up and let them talk. Absolutely. Some of the best moments I've had were just me sitting quiet, mm-hmm. just holding the hand of somebody. Yep. Um, but with the transition away from my previous chaplaincy position, uh, and I realized, okay, I was in the middle of a very unhealthy dynamic at BB Kings. Yes. At BB Kings, <laughs> uh, Louisville. Um, uh, I couldn't and, say, I couldn't hear if you said Louisville or loserville. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Louisville. Louisville. Um, <clears throat> but like, I had to grieve leaving that position because there was people I liked working with there and formed relationships with. That's of part of yeah. part of being an introvert is you desire lasting relationships, and when you lose those, it's it's hard, and it's made harder by the fact that I'm still going there because I have a patient there. Yeah, that's you know awkward, awkward, <laughs> and I 
I felt like I I texted the social worker today, be like, "Hey, I'm going to be up in the area on Wednesday. Do you think I should come and visit so and so?" And she's like, "I don't know. I haven't really checked on so and so." But I was like, "Well, do you need a chaplain visit?" And she's like, "She's like, or no, she's like, I probably need a chaplain visit." I'm like, "All right, I'll stop and see you." And then she's like, "Oh, and they hired somebody." I'm like, "Okay, that's so now it's like." Now I can't. <laughs> now I can't because you technically have a chaplain now. Right, right, right. right. So uh, you'll get a friend visit, but you're not going to get the chaplain visit. Yeah, yep, it just got downgraded. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough line to walk. People don't realize it. You know, like we build relationships with people, and yep. you know, the church, rightfully so, yep. asks us, demands of us that we know our boundaries yep. and that we leave those relationships behind now with the advent of internet and stuff churches have adapted and yeah you can still remain facebook friends with somebody but you need to know that clear boundary that you're now a friend not their not their pastor or not their chaplain it's a delicate line to walk because you care for these people yep there's one person there that i was like the last time i visited i was like like what the it's like what the fuck like she's giving me the gold shoulder like what the like Talk to me. And I was like, oh, she's not talking to me because she knows that, number one, I'm not her chaplain anymore. Number this two, is over. Yep. this is over. Like, yeah. so, and, uh, <clears throat> and most folks there have been pretty good of like, they've respected like, hey, that's yeah. a, that's most a great are good. Most are good about it. Most are. Yep. yep. That's been my experience. There's always some. (laughs) There's always some who don't understand. Oh, pastor, we'd love for you to baptize. It's like, you have a pastor. (laughs) I'm not the one to baptize your kid anymore. Sorry. I would love to. I'd be honored to. It hurts me to say no to you. Yep. But you have a pastor. (laughs) Yeah, that was, yeah. Luckily, it was my first week as a a hospice chaplain, and I got a call from the social, one of the social workers. Uh, Her mother was a patient at the nursing home passed away and it was like can you do the funeral i'm like uh because you don't have clergy there right now yes i'll do but it i'll yeah. do it but but know that once you have a clergy person there no no nope. no yeah no nope. yeah you were in a situation where you weren't going to step on anybody else's ministry to do that so it's no harm no foul but right. Um, yeah, and thankfully, the person who serves at the church I previously served, I'm really good friends with, and you know, I've been a part of. She invites me to things that they do there, and she's completely comfortable with me being there because she knows I respect those boundaries. I've had people call me and say, "My mom really would like a visit from you," and it's like my initial answer is, "You have a pastor." Oh, I've talked to my pastor. Well, okay, then I talk to the pastor, and the pastor says, "Yeah, you can go visit them. That's not a problem." And then I do. But it's not something I'm going to just get up and do because I was once your pastor because I'm no longer that anymore. You know, like I I love you. I pray for you, but I'm not going to do that. So it's a it's it's a delicate line that we clergy have to to uh, go through. And so you've had an interesting um, year of self-reflection. To say yep. the least, those boundaries, those those ideas that I knew intellectually, I've had to navigate the last two months. Yeah, those boundaries, like, oh yeah, okay, that's yeah, that's that boundary has a squishy edge. Okay, I need to hard that edge a little bit. Yeah, 
And for me, um, I think this isn't untrue for you either. I think both of us are on the same page with this, but I want to please people. You know, like, I don't want conflict in my life. I don't want people to think I suck. <laughs> you know, like, I think it's yep. pretty natural human <laughs> aspiration is to make people like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what do we do to make people like us? We hide who we really are. Mm-hmm. We do things and say things that we think will get people to to like us as opposed to not like us. And one of the things that I'm sure you've learned in your time as a leader, and I've learned as my time as a leader, and I'm going to give eye contact to everybody, is that we as leaders have to make decisions that aren't going to please everybody. Yep. Just, just not going to. And so, and we also have to be, if we were asking our congregants or our residents or whoever to be true to who they are, um, we have to then, by extension, be true to who we are. Uh, One of the things that I have always been uh, is, is somebody who struggled with depression, somebody who struggled with anxiety. I didn't realize it was anxiety early on. I didn't have a psych nurse mom like like you had. Um, you know, so I always thought it was just depression. Turns out it's both. You know, it's depression and, and anxiety and the two feet off of each other. Um, and one of the ways that, as a teenager in particular, one of the ways that I coped with my anxiety and with my depression was by finding a group of people who mutually understood who I was and accepted me for who I was. And if I wanted to act out weirdly, cool, man, awesome. <laughs> you know, like it was, it was just a way of being who I was and not giving a flying, and I'm going to say it, a flying fuck what the popular kids thought or what those people thought or this person thought. And uh, so... Uh, that group for me was, uh, the goth community, uh, you know, and, uh, the, the local band scene. So like I, I listened and that's why I can dig skater, the skater punk, uh, uh, in you because I grew up listening to those bands. You know, I went to those types of local shows. I listened to, uh, a band, uh, of a group of friends that I had called Watson Poe, which were goth, um, I was in my own goth band uh, for for a while. And, uh, you know, like that was a community that accepted me for who I was. I didn't have to act any differently. If I had emotions, raw emotions I wanted to show, you showed them. (laughs) You know, people got it. It was like, and and that helped me cope. And then, of course, you know, I met my wife. We had kids. And as parents do, they become preoccupied with their kids. They get jobs. they, They earn a living for their families. And you put those pass things aside um, because you're trying to promote who you are now. But that's never who I've been. You know, yeah, I'm a parent. Yeah, I love my wife. Yes, I... But I've always been that goth kid. You know, always. And and so this year, in isolation, <laughs> right? Like when when you and I both felt like we couldn't, maybe maybe less you because you were in the community 
um, talking to those people because you, you had to be. Me in particular, as a pastor, felt like I could only do a quarter of the job I was called to do. But that quarter took up everything. All your time. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, there's a lot of guilt there and, and a lot of time to reflect. And, and then, of course, you have people who criticize you saying that you're, you know, you're on vacation because, on vacation. yeah. And, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, like, there is nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, and I got that. <clears throat> I ironically did get some of that pushback as well because, you know, for those of that considered me their pastor, they didn't see me as much because they didn't see me in chapel and other in, places yeah. in the chapel. They they didn't see me in making visits to the nursing unit and mm-hmm. <clears throat> counseling employees and counseling, you know, families at death at the bedside. Right. So yeah. So you get that. I, I mean, get it. like even for you, even though you were physically in the community, you still had to be isolated from the population as a whole. And, you know, so one of the one of the things that I've come deeper in touch with, and, and Sal, you've known me for a long time, and, you know, uh, I've never hidden that I'm a goth, that I love goth music, that I've, you know, I've never hidden any of that. Yep. But within this last year, it's like, I'm going to go through what I've been calling my gothification <laughs> mm-hmm. or regothification in that like I I you know I'm buying fishnets and my like uh my my fancy uh um accessory wear and uh putting eyeliner on and getting like steampunk you know goth glasses and um and and wearing like look at this wearing like you know George Michaelesque uh, goth uh earrings and and the reason why i'm doing that is not because i'm somehow going through like a midlife crisis and changing into something i never was it's mm-hmm. because i've spent the last year realizing i am who i am and yep. god accepts me that way i know there's a time and a place for it like i'm not wearing eyeliner and dressing in fishnets at the pulpit because yep. that would cause people to stumble and that's yeah but in my own personal life, expressing it on you know Instagram and Facebook uh, in a non-official capacity, I've embraced because yep. it's who I am. Yep. One of the and here, I'll stand up. You can you can see me. I've got well, maybe not. I've got a clergy shirt on and camo cargo pants. <laughs> Hell at, yes. Because as a a skater kid, it was cargo pants Mm -hmm. and baggy T-shirts and sneakers, um, chain wallet, and and a backwards hat. That was my out my 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 uniform was uh, chain wallet, cargo pants, T-shirt. Chain wallet is what chain wallet and t-shirts are what depending on the t-shirt are what connect the goth and the skater together. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And a backwards baseball cap and of course, yep. You know, both my ex-wife and current wife were attracted to the fact that I was well, what it became later became known as the frat boy, kind of the frat frat boy look with a backward hat, the cargo pants. 
which I didn't like, but that wasn't you. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> but, Social uh, anxiety, but here I am fraternizing. I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. So yeah, like I, I totally go out with a, you know, baggy jeans, chain wallet, and yeah. t-shirts because that's what I feel comfortable in. And Sal will tell you that I typically dress in black. It may not be like I may not be walking down the street with my wife and kids and dog and in fishnets and (laughs) though I might be. Um, But I I typically like darker colors. I like um, I'm a theatrical person. Sal's a theatrical person. There's a lot of between the punk and the goth subcultures. There's actually a lot of commonality there. They both came out of the punk movement, really. Uh, And goth was post-punk new wave yep. uh, as we discussed earlier but but it, it they're all related they're just different um subgenres of people who don't fit in to regular society punk very much politically um as you know uh anarchy in the uk you know like like yep. stick it to the man kind of thing and goth being that but also being like Okay, so you're you're gonna act all light and happy, and we're gonna tell you that now this is really hell, yep. <laughs> you know, as Susie and the Banshees does in this like pop punk kind of like song, <laughs> yep. you know. But 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 in a way that makes you realize that you know, like death is all around us. Yep. Or the the exploited that I listened to in high school that were saying you know fuck the bastards, kill them all. Yep. Yep. You know, talking yep. about you know middle-class and working-class struggles. Yeah, and then the bands that embraced both, like like the Misfits, which were yep. both punk and goth at the same time. Um, yeah, so it's... Um, uh, and uh, I'm sure another band that would fall into punk and goth at the same time would be Killing Joke, which you'd be familiar with. Uh, they're, they're punk, but they're also goth, and they can be accepted by either... Um, either uh subculture so point being is that i i began to re-embrace who i am uh i'm because i like my uh anonymity uh there is a goth social media um uh platform that i've become a part of over the last year uh, that I found through uh, different goth influencers in um, uh, YouTube that I follow. Uh, And it has been the most welcoming. Like, they know I don't hide. I'm a Christian. Uh, In fact, I just met somebody who is a part of the LGBTQ community um, who's goth and identifies as a Christian and puts that out there and... they're welcomed. And you have people all across the board, people who are Christian, people who are not Christian, people who are witches, people who are agnostic or atheist, but they welcome them and accept them for who they are. Like, it's like, this is so Christian. This is what Christianity ought to be, but it's not, you know? And um, so, like, I've really been able to find expression there and, and to be a part of a, the the larger goth community in a way that I, I couldn't express from the pulpit or couldn't express oh, yeah. uh, in certain situations. And that's what this year ha- – that's a blessing this year has brought to me because yep. I've had time to reflect on who I am. Yep. And I've <clears> – <throat> at least at my previous, previous facility was able to 
no, I had befriended, you know, young, young goth, uh, employee Mm -hmm. because you know when i the dress down days when i'd come in in my sneakers and my uh my ripped jeans and polo shirt like the punk that i always was they said oh wait chapel sounds actually cool like (laughs) and if it's the same person that i think you're talking about um that is uh somebody who has known me a long time Mm -hmm. uh and knew me in my former goth days and um has really like and she's a spiritual person no doubt um but is a person that would be seen by the larger culture as abnormal you know like the rest of us you know what it's cool to be abnormal damn it that's right um but but if if we're thinking of the same person um uh, probably not, but that's okay. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, but all the same, uh, it there are a couple people there. I'm sure I know who you're talking about, um, but there are a couple people there who are outside the norm in their personal life and would have never saw you or me as being, you know, like like there's one person that was like, wait, you you go to Marilyn Manson. It's like hell yeah, I go to Marilyn Manson. And like all of a sudden, it's like oh, I can yeah. talk to Chaplin Todd. Yep. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. when I when I got this right before I left, there I had one of the empl- one of the younger employees was like, wait, let me see that. I heard you got a tattoo, and so I showed it to her. She's like, wait, where'd you get that? And it was like, so I was like, oh, go to this show, go to this shop, talk to the sourdist. Yeah. You know, I've I don't know, I've probably referred two or three people to uh, Amanda. Oh, absolutely. Amanda's oh, yeah. the best. She's the best. We but gotta yeah. get Amanda back on here. We do. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for for the two outcasts that we are, Todd, um, the people that you wouldn't think, like even the even the hoity-toity managers, are like, oh, we like dress down Sal because he's when I'm in my casual in my uniform of jeans and sneakers and punk skater kid i feel more myself like you said you feel like yourself absolutely yeah without doubt um i guess this is a good place to leave it um i do want to just bring one thing up if it's okay with you um sure there's a uh i'm not gonna mention her name because i mean she's made it public but at the same time you know, if you've never followed her before, it's not really right for me to kind of expose her to people that would have never listened to her otherwise. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a goth influencer on YouTube that I follow who I think is a a, a lovely person, uh, lives, uh, as far as I can tell, lives in Australia and um, just really, uh, really, you know, decent human being from what I've been able to tell from her views and things that she shares. And uh, recently I was going through my subscriptions on YouTube and I was like, oh yeah, I haven't seen anything new pop up from so-and-so. Let me check it out. And I realized that the last thing that this person posted was a year ago. And that's odd for a YouTube influencer. And I said, I wonder what's going on 
in so-and-so's life. So I Googled, because, you know, Google is the next all-knowing entity under, underneath God. Yep. And um, I found out that this person basically um, spent the last year uh, reclaiming her mental health. You know, she has, a, at the time was uh, of her last post, was a, a nine-year-old daughter, now probably ten. And uh, went through a number of personal issues and even tried to take her life throughout 2020. And there are a lot of people who have gone through that. Um, This is, you know, if you're any person who struggles with your identity, with who you are, with um, depression, with anxiety, and then you you get hit with 2020... (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's like, oh, you think you're in hell now? Well, <laughs> so, um, so she seems to be doing better. Uh, she's getting uh, the help that she needs, and she's taking time to focus on herself rather than others. And mm-hmm. she may or may not be a YouTube influencer in the future, and I'm okay with that as long as I know that she's healthy and alive, and uh, being the mother that that she needs to be for her daughter. And, um, I just want to pray for, for her and for others like her who are going through such a, just a crazy time of isolation when you feel isolated in this world anyway. And then, you know, COVID hits and you're literally isolated. (laughs) Like, um, I want to pray for her and others. So like I said, I'm not going to mention her by name, but, but, um, God knows who she is. Yep. Gracious and loving God, I just uh, thank you for for all people, uh, and uh, especially those who dare to risk who they are uh, and to expose who they are so that others can um, not just follow, but be influenced by them and, and, and know that they're not alone, that there's others who have gone through this and are sorting their lives out, and uh, we're not alone in this in this journey. And uh, there is a place for YouTube influencers and people who connect with others that they don't know, and I thank you for them. Um, but, uh, Lord, there are people who, while they're influencing and trying to help out others— uh, are in need of help themselves. And and, we, and for anyone who is going out there suffering from mental health, feeling isolated, feeling alone, uh, we ask that your healing hand be upon them, that, um, that they know that they're not alone, that there is help within reach, and that you love them dearly. Um, Lord, uh, we thank you for this one person I talked about, um, uh, finding help and being able to reprioritize and, and make sure that she's t- getting the care she needs. But we ask that those uh, out there, Lord, who are suffering from similar things, that they would do the same. And uh, we trust that you are working in their lives. Uh, we hope that, that maybe some of them are even listening to this and know that that uh, there are people out there who will pray for them and care for them and, and love them, uh, for they are divinely made and uniquely created and are loved by you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, with that said, uh, I guess if you want to, uh, we are going to gratis put this online um, for people to see. 
and uh, and you can watch the entire episode and see our backgrounds and our crazy blackened eyes. <laughs> yep. uh, and uh, and watch this for free. If you are a subscriber, there will be a, uh, a bonus episode that's just for you. Uh, so if you're not a subscriber and you like this, uh, subscribe. Like, what the heck? Come on now. <laughs> like, come on. We're being real for you. We're, we're, we're literally bearing our souls for you. So, so subscribe. Uh, it's easy peasy lemon squeezy, right? That's right. For, for the cost of a latte, you could support our ministry. The Martini. For the cost of a uh, latte, you could be supporting us and doing great good for this podcast. Uh, And those of you who do support us, thank you. Uh, With that said, friends, remember, be excellent to each other. And don't be a jerk. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on.